what we were just talking about is a really good segue into our first topic on this podcast. All right. We were talking football, we were talking sports, and we were talking bets. Yes, sir. Um, and I know you had some thoughts about sports betting and some of the dangers. Um, so without further ado, let's get into it. Yeah, I guess traps for the unwary in sports gambling. Um, I recently saw this podcast on uh, Diary of CEO, which we talked about before, and he had the woman from Molly's Game on. I don't know if you've seen that the movie. The real lady. The real, the oh, real shit. Molly from Molly's really? Game. Really? Okay. Yes. So I gotta watch. I saw that and clicked on it instantly. Uh. And she's talking, and she's talking. She was talking about how you know she got part of what she got popped for was you know uh, housing people that were they were you know when people were playing this poker game they were uh, betting on sports at the same time, mm. and uh, the. She was like literally like five years, six years later, it's legal, you know, and it's like in, in certain things people were getting popped for before running underground sports betting rings and stuff. You know, I mean, it's still that's still illegal. Like if you aren't you don't have a gambling license like you that's not a legal operation. But the uh, it, it's just funny how like everybody is gambling now when yeah. before that used to be a very like taboo thing or if you ask someone if they had a bet on the game you'd be like how and they only had a bookie and stuff yeah so now it's like in illinois the state we're in and in i think about 30 other states soon to be the whole country we'll see uh sports gambling is legal and the amount of people that i've seen get in and it, it's been you know ginormous it's like everybody i know has bet on a sports game. And even if they say they don't bet, they've, they've placed a bet here or there. Mm-hmm. And I think I watch so many people now. It's been, you know, I was gambling for a long time before it became, like, legal in Illinois. And I mean, the thing is, is everybody was doing that, right? It, it, it was between friends or whatever it may have you. And I remember starting out and not understanding why I was losing. And I slowly, and I, like, I'm not going to sit here and claim that I'm this sports gambling guru. I'm not, but I certainly am not a bad sports gambler, right? And I certainly know what not to do. Mm. And I guess, you know, for for the person that gambles every now and then, you know, gambles when it's fun, gambles with friends, so sort of similar to what you historically have done in the past, right? You'll gamble when there's a big game on or we have a big get-together, but you're not looking at lines on a Tuesday or, or, or anything of that sort, you know. it More towards that crowd, I would say is don't bet parlays Mm -hmm. and to only bet what you really realistically can lose because you may think that the couple hundred or whatever amount to you is a lot you can't really lose because you know i'm gonna win a couple and it's you know at the end of the day what you're playing with is all math yeah right It, it despite the outside factors this guy's injured this guy got taken out of the game this guy's suspended this team's down X amount of points. This can't happen. It can't happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's quick. You can people can be quick to judge to say it's rigged. I I would say sports gambling as a whole isn't rigged. The largest underground tennis gambling ring just got popped the other week. So these two guys in the they're the main perpetrators. Uh, Armenians living in I want to say Germany. Okay got popped for 
basically running a underground tennis gambling ring where they would pay off lower ranked tennis players to throw games. Really? That's crazy. Right? So I'm not going to say it's not there. It's one of those where it's like when you're when you analyze fraud or something of the sort, you know, there has to be factors at at play that make it so that there's an opportunity to commit an act like that in a sport like tennis and golf. The lower rung guys don't get paid. Right. The U.S. Open's going on right now. I think the winner of the U.S. Open gets like five million dollars. Right. And, and that's a lot of money. But, dude, that in the NFL, these guys are getting, you know, five million a game. <coughs> yeah. Back of the bench guys get like five mil. Right. Like backup QBs, you know. So yeah, training camp guys get 500 K. Yeah. It's different story. <laughs> in tennis, these guys have three jobs yeah. and they play tennis. Mm-hmm. You know, so if someone walks in and offers you ten thousand dollars, ten thousand euros. You know, a lot of these guys are in Europe. It's hard to walk away from that when you're trying to make rent tomorrow. So I'm not saying it's not there. But the biggest thing is keeping your bankroll at play. If you can lose 200 bucks and you put that 200 bucks in, you're like, you know what, like, is what it is. Mm -hmm. Then you're making good bets. But if you're making a bet and you have, and you're betting rent money or you're betting the electric bill or or whatever it (laughs) is, you're you're making a losing wager, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Goes right back into live within your means when we talked about it, hundred like, percent, um, a couple podcasts ago. It's funny you mentioned that too, because I definitely noticed. I think going to college where we went and all the friends that we had who gambled, yeah, that's I, that's the first place I kind of started no- noticing how popular sports gambling was. Um, but then now, like all the group chats that I'm in with people that I don't know, people I do know, random sports leagues that I'm in, everybody is sending in their picks for the week. And I could see how dangerous that can be because, like, the way I look at it, you mentioned that I only really gamble on games that I am. It's like a group effort to, so like, everybody. Special occasions. Special occasions, right? So, like, that's usually when I'll throw, like, $50 on something. But realistically, I know that I don't do enough research on any of the games or know enough about any of the lines or how, you know, the book is, uh, how the book is setting something up as opposed to, you know, uh, maybe another book, like competing lines, things of that nature. I don't know enough about that to actually want to throw my money into a pit where I know I'm just going to lose. But the problem is I think most people think that they know enough, um, especially when it comes to sports like the NFL, when like everyone's in a fantasy league, so it makes you a lot more inclined to bet on games. Um, everybody has you know, some sort of ulterior motive. They think they're smarter than you. They think that they understand football better, so they're going to throw a lot more money around. Um, and I just have always been in the camp that, like, I know I'm not that guy. Like, realistically, I watch football because I enjoy the sport. Um, and, yes, I have, you know, a couple fantasy leagues, too. But um, at the end of the day, man, like, a lot, I'd say a majority of the people who do sports gamble are not in a position to do so profitably. And that is always a very hard line to toe. That is, I think that that was very well put. Most of the people sports gambling are not in a position to do so. And you got to think, the thing, other thing is, is you're talking about those lines, right? Vegas and the books have the best statisticians. They got coders. Yeah. They have, ev- like, you got to think about it, right? We're talking about a few hundred billion dollars in market cap of an industry is sports gambling. So these guys have the money to hire the best people. And so you'll look at a line and you'll be, and we, this happened to us 
r- with the NBA, yeah. right? So yeah. sports gambling became legal, and Ed and I thought we were we thought we were geniuses. Like we know the NBA, we we were following the NBA all season, right? And so we would go through the slate every day. It'd be like our thing. We yeah. we'd look. Okay, the Celtics are playing the Jazz today. You know what do we like? Oh, Donovan Mitchell. Uh, you know we like the Jazz. We like the Jazz minus two. That's a good line. And then they'd lose, yeah. right? And, and it would happen over and over and over again. And, I, and this happens to everybody who gambles. Who, like you said, thinks they know sports, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, that's the other thing I think with guys too. Ask a guy, you know, hey, you know sports? Yeah, I know sports. Yeah. I don't even ask what there's sport. There's definitely bro. ego attached to it for sure. There's there's a massive ego attached to yeah. it. Do you know football? You're at a, you're at a sports bar on a Sunday, at 11 a.m. Or, or you know a midday. Ask anybody in there. You know football? Yeah. You know your Bears, right? Yeah, I do. And I think that those that type of mentality quickly goes away. And I think people don't when they'll lose and they'll still be like, oh, listen, it was this bullshit call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, listen, the ref yeah. the ref didn't call a a, a pass interference. Mm-hmm. There's it, always an excuse. Always an excuse. Yeah. And it's one of those things where, bro, the Vegas odds makers know. They just know. They do. And I used to be in that position too, man, watching sports. Like, I mean, growing up a Cowboy fan, I would blame everything on the refs. Right. Like, growing up. And in the past, like, two, three years, I've kind of shifted that mindset because I've realized, like, at the end of the day, like, if your team's going to win a ball game, your team's going to win a ball game. There's plenty of opportunities throughout the game for them to clinch or win or do what they have to to get the W in the column. But a lot of the times, like, there's just a lot of other factors besides bad calls that'll put you in a bad position. But you bring up a really good point because I see that all the time with people justifying the picks that they make by, oh, well, I had them uh, plus five and a half yesterday, but that you know missed call at the at the end of the game uh, helped the other team kick a field goal and went up by seven. Right, like that's a constant thing I see in the sports gambling like area and industry that I don't think will go away just because I think most people uh, won't ever take accountability for the picks and they'll just kind of find a way to blame it on something else. Um, So it's kind of like, it's a weird like conundrum we're in because on one side of the spectrum, sports gambling for a lot of people is a release. It's fun. It makes games more exciting when you have money on the line. Um, But on the flip side, it can also be a huge detriment because you could be gambling excessively where you, you know, can't control yourself and all of a sudden you're down a grand and you're like, wait, what am I doing here? And then you keep pummeling money down the line because you think, hey, I can make it back with this game because this is an easy line. And then you're out three reps. You know, three months of of checks. <laughs> checks like, yeah, yeah. Can't pay your mortgage. You know, you start pulling out of your kids' college fund. It's it's tough out here in these streets. But um, sports gambling is one of those things that's like, I'm never gonna tell somebody not to, because at the end of the day, you're your own person. You want to gamble, like it's legal. Go ahead, do so. It's the same thing with alcohol. Like alcohol isn't necessarily great for you. In fact, there's a lot of studies that show that alcohol is probably worse for you than um, certain, you know, things like marijuana, for yeah, example, yeah. like that that's been out here, but alcohol is legal. Mm-hmm. Everybody on Friday or Saturday night, typically over the age of 21 is going to a bar or club or getting together with their friends in their house and drinking beers and stuff. I'm in no position to tell you not to drink either. I drink, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's just one of those things that I guess this conversation is really good for us to have because it, one puts things in perspective, but two, also makes 
the listener aware that there are risks with this and you should be aware of those before you throw your money into it. Yeah. And I think it's okay to not bet on a game too. I think when you're, mm-hmm. if, you, if you do gamble a lot, it's one of those where it, it like the chiefs game this weekend, or past past couple of days, I didn't take a position before the game because I just didn't like it. Yeah. I didn't like it. And you know what? It's the first game back. Everybody's excited. Football's back, baby. Mm-hmm. Right. I just watched the game, you know, it, yeah. it, it, and you can, I think you can, do that sometimes but you also bring up a good point it's a microcosm for life dude it we we are quick to blame our situations or what happens to us on like one thing right your your boss hates you or you know if if there wasn't an accident on the freeway today or like whatever it is it we're quick to blame singular moments on singular things yeah right sure. but in reality it was one of those where the same reason why the holding call in the first quarter that held back a field goal <laughs> yeah. was the real reason why you didn't cover your spread by two points. It, it It's one of those where it's like the, the extra 45 minutes you spent on Instagram the night before that got you, that made you wake up 15 minutes late and rush out the door mm-hmm. that made you forget your keys or whatever it is. That was the thing. Yeah. You know? It, or it was both things, right? Mm-hmm. It was traffic and the fact that you stayed up too late the night before. Yeah. It was that holding call and the other uh, bullshit penalty, mm-hmm. right? And I think it that's one of those things where if you really want to get good at uh, identifying faults in you know your betting or or your your biases, right? I'm too biased. Like you're a Cowboys fan, I'm too biased to the Giants, right? Look at if I look at my pick history, I've got zero bets on uh, teams facing the Giants and only bets on the Giants. Is that good? No, but that's a bias, right? And it's the same thing in life. It's the same thing in life. I think I we see people all the time, and we're far enough along in our careers now to have seen our friends, family. We have a greater understanding of issues at 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 a workplace right i feel like as a kid we were you know hanging out at a barbecue and people would talk about work and we would just have no idea what they're talking about or we would we would think we did but until we worked three years Mm -hmm. didn't have the experience to be able to really feel that that person in that moment it you see people blame they oh i'm not uh yeah i would always the boss's fault it's always somebody's fault yeah and then and now you look at it you're like hmm no, it's not. Maybe, it, sure. Yeah. Sure. Maybe that contributed. Not saying it didn't. Not saying you weren't wronged because you're you don't live their life. Like, how are you supposed to know if someone comes up to comes up to you complains about, you know, they got screwed this or that? Like, how are you? You don't know their life, right? No, you, you only don't. know what they tell you. Yeah. Dude, there'll be. That's a really good segue. Um, even this week, I was dealing, um, with some of the stuff that you just talked about. Like, there was a situation where. There was like two days, I think, that went by during the week that I really didn't have much work. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because of my lack of effort or trying to reach out to people and seeing what they had for me. It was just because at the end of the day, there was really nothing for me to do. Um, and so it's w- you get in one of those places where you get frustrated because you're like, oh, they're, they're like shafting me because they're not getting work and other people are. Yeah. And I immediately like went to that. Like after the second day, I was like, all right, well this sucks. I'm not getting the workload. I feel like I should be. I'm not progressing. I'm not this. I'm not that. Sure. Um, and then Friday comes around yesterday and I'm doing the same thing. I'm asking everybody for work and I ended up getting two things, um, that are due. One was due at the end of the day yesterday and one is due Monday that 
Uh, well, you wish kept, you got on Tuesday, right? That yeah. like that kept me busy basically the entire Friday. I ended up, you know, staying. I probably turned my computer off at like six p.m. on a Friday, which sure. is un- yeah. unusual for me. Yeah. Um, and so it's just one of those things, man. Where like it's so easy to get upset in the short term with situations that you don't really have any control over because immediately your first reaction is they're trying to screw me over, but. I think in the long term, you got to realize that there's like there's those ups and downs all the time when it comes to things like work or career or athletics or school. Um, And you just have to be kind of prepared for those emotions to come up. And so I'm glad like I didn't really make any mention of it. Um, I just kind of kept my head down and kept asking for work throughout the week, Um, started shadowing people who I knew had more work and could give me something to do. Um, And you just got to find ways, man, to like not blame everyone around you, like really just hold yourself accountable for your life, your career, because you're going to go way further than if you were the person complaining every second about everything. Um, yeah, and I agree. And I think the other part of it is, is, is I think when you enter, enter the workplace, you face more roadblocks to get wins. Like when you're in college, as long as you, as long as you hit certain metrics, you're guaranteed a degree. Yeah. Right, you're absolutely guaranteed a degree. That's not how it works in the real world. Mm-hmm. world. Right, you could do all the right things, and things will still not move for you. But at the same time, it's one of those where you have to figure it out still, right, to get what you want. And and, and I think like kind of what you did, right? You have to power through. You have to find like if we were in college, we didn't have those roadblocks, so we were never pushed to a limit where we would have to reach within ourselves and try and figure out a way to continue to or to keep striving towards a goal, right? Right. It, 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 I, or kids just drop out, right? But, yeah. but it's one of those where y- the, there's more adversity now, and I think it's... For sure. It, it, it's new to most of us who leave college and enter a workforce that th- there's more adversity in, like, your first, I think, 18 months of, of working yeah. in, a, in, like, especially, like, a new job. Like, if you're, if you're in a bigger corporate environment, too, it's such an adjustment. Like, you have to... Yeah. Th- there's certain things that just aren't okay anymore, and, it, and it, I think it, it, you... You have to find. You have to tote that line. You have to tote that Dude, line because sometimes to. you can get away. Like you could, you know, I'm not. I don't know your job. Not to get too deep in your job, yeah. right? But there's a there's a there's a version. There's a reality out there in a parallel universe where you just don't do anything about it. Oh sure, right? Yeah. And, the, and and when I say parallel universe, I mean put somebody else in that situation and they just don't do anything about it. And maybe there won't be a consequence for that in the short term. Yeah. Right. But it's it's a long term thing, and that's something that we as 20, 23, 24 year olds we don't see. Right. What long term? Five yeah. years, dude. Five years ago, I was in a high school. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, 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 it's, it just puts things in a very, very different perspective. And I think you have to think on a longer term horizon than you've ever had to. Oh, before. for sure. Um, I was gonna say there's for you and I. I think we are both like at the time of entering our current jobs, we were the youngest people. Yeah. Is that a fair? Right. Yeah. yeah. So I think one of the things too that I've always struggled with is like. I notice that other people will get priority over me and, you know, I'll take it personally, but then like I sit back and I'm like, oh, these people have four or five years of experience. Maybe they have a advanced degree. Like, of course they're going to get work before me. Right. And, um, you know, there's times when like I can easily sit there and blame that. But like, again, you were mentioning the long-term goal. I think sometimes you even need to realize like just where you're at, like age and experience wise. Yeah. Cause like we are two, three years out of college realistically somebody who is in their 40s or 50s probably yeah. isn't going to trust us with the brunt of like them of the real mind 
consuming the more work, complex work, the more, com- yeah. the yeah. more complex work. Um, and that's one of the things too, that dude, I'm sometimes at work. I'm like, fuck man. Like I'll get pissed off cause somebody else got work over me. And then I'm like, well, to, you know, keep it in perspective, everyone here is four or five years older than me. Like, of course they're going to get more work. I'm at the bottom of the food chain and it's tough pill to swallow. Yeah. Believe me. I hate being at the bottom of the food chain, hate having to work your way up, but you know, that's sometimes the, um, kind of perspective I need to look at too. Cause I'm like, man, you know, I could be somewhere else right now. And it's a, you know, you just got to count your blessings when you get them. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you've dealt no, with, no, I, 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 I feel with the, the struggle part of that, because that's something I, I do all the time. I, I don't necessarily have, I, I have a good perspective on things after being in them a while, but for the short term, I'm definitely sitting there struggling. Like, why not me? Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it, and but that, that I think that goes back <coughs> to the broader point where it's like the it's playing on, you're playing a longer horizon ordeal yeah. right a career is forty years right mm-hmm. whatever you do whatever you do whatever you decide to switch to whatever you continue doing it's it's still you're still playing over this a similar horizon right it's rare that someone who's in their eighties is working unless you're the president right uh, <laughs> or a senator or a senator or fucking right, right and Mitch and, McConnell uh uh what's your face Pelosi's running again oh my god really uh, yeah so term uh, limits yeah I, I'm I'm for that I'm for that as well I'm for that Dude, I'm for that I, we can even if you we were could, 30, we could go down we could that go road. there I think even if you're 35 <clears throat> let's say you're 35 years old you run for senate you're in yeah. right you realistically could be a senator from the time you're 35 until you are ready to retire, as long as you keep winning, correct? Like yeah. you have to, you have to win elections or right? die, whichever comes first. Or wh- whichever comes first, but you still have to win elections. It's true, right? But at the end of the day, I I agree, I agree. I think term I think term limits has been something that's been circulated since I was a kid. Yeah, and it's funny because the exact people who would have to vote against um, a term limit are the same ones who are currently sitting in those chairs. And it's a bit of a conflict of interest, yeah. right? It, and it's the same thing on the Supreme Court, because I've heard them say that, uh, people say that, that, where they want term limits on Supreme Court justices. And I'm not as much pressed about th- that as I am about Congress, because uh, I think that is part of the appeal of being a Supreme Court justice, yeah. is the fact that you get the lifetime term. And also, just a quick point i don't know what the rules are there's got to definitely be different rules for a supreme court justice as opposed to a senator when it comes to like stock market um access things like that like i i don't know i really i i don't know too much about it i don't want to like say something that's not true but i have a gut feeling that there's definitely limitations that supreme court justices have on trading that senators and like um House representatives don't have. You know, and I, I don't, I don't know either. But it's a, it's an, another thing about that though is is the <laughs> level of of responsibility that the justices have versus. The, I'm not saying that your person in the House of Representatives isn't important. They are. They have power, and that insider trading stuff has definitely been a problem. But on the Supreme Court side, like it, it's an it's a visual image thing. Like yeah. a lot of what I think the power the Supreme Court gives with the general public, right? Not not how it actually works, but the way the public views the Supreme Court is they view them on this elevated standard because of the fact that they really are supposed to keep more private, non-flontatious lives. They're, you know they're I mean? appointed by the president. That's another very unique thing about that role as well. Uh, yeah, they have to get confirmed in by the Senate, but yeah, yes, you're right. They, yes. are, they are appointed by the, the president, yeah. Um, but yeah, man, it is... 
I, I definitely think term limits are a thing. Obviously, I think we're bringing this up because of the recent stuff with Mitch McConnell. Um, and honestly, man, like I've seen a lot of memes about him and it's it, not that I like I'm neither here nor there on Mitch McConnell and any of his political views. Sure. But I just think it's like I honestly feel bad for the guy like he's in his upper 80s still kind of trying to run this position for the United States, whether or not, you know, his motive is there or not. It's not what I care about. I right. care that this is an elderly man who's getting clowned on the Internet for having a legitimate health issue like he's having seizures yeah on the stand i'm seeing like these memes on twitter um like clowning the guy and it's it's honestly like an unfortunate thing because if that was your grandparent like you wouldn't want them being clowned for you know freezing up on a stage because they actually their heart is starting to fail or they're uh, they have a blood clot somewhere that's affecting like it's just i think there's um i think there's like I, that's one of the things that i kind of didn't appreciate about the entire situation and why i kind of wanted to talk about it um but to prevent things like that from happening people who are in their 80s probably shouldn't be in a very high position one of the highest positions you can have in the united states government 100 percent, and i i skipped the the, the second round so the, i know mitch was in the news the first time and then he's in the news again yeah i skipped i didn't watch the video there's no like it, it's the same thing bro like if if my if my if my grandparents were doing this role and they were the US senator and I saw that on I get that off my screen yeah. you know and I agree I agree dude it, it's one of those where you know I don't know what it should be I'm not out here saying I want a specific number like president is 8 right but that that brings different powers and yeah. it, and it and maybe maybe it doesn't have to be 8 for a senator it could be 10 it could be could be 15 but it anything beyond that is you know i i, I would uh, i would agree somewhere within 10 to 15 yeah would probably so. be would probably be my good barrier because you know i think if you if you end up running and you're like aoc's age not to comment on her beliefs either but if you're her age, she she ran she's fairly young right she's yeah. in her early 30s when she ended up running and making the house it's fair to have a career and that's that be your career Right. right. It is it is a career of public service. But you should you shouldn't be in the house for thirty years. No. Yeah. You I could agree. do ten in the house, you could do ten in the Senate. There's so many conflicts of interest that can arise with you being indoctrinated in a position for that long. No, and I agree, it's no bad. no senator or person in the house should be able to trade stocks. Yeah, that's a hundred percent. Listen, I have more restriction given the line of work that I do on yeah. the companies that I can buy than <clears throat> they do. Yeah. And that's ridiculous. Right? At the end <laughs> of the day, right? I, I technically have a uh i'm in a profession where it that would be considered pro problematic yeah. right it is a literal conflict of interest to own a stock or profit in any way off a company that you're actively consulting or working for <laughs> yeah, right man. that is a problem That's we can all agree problem. on that and doctors have the same thing lawyers have the same thing accountants have the same thing we we have all these restrictions on being able to and people in the finance industry have this have a similar thing mm -hmm. we have all these restrictions on the stocks we can or cannot buy for good reason but for some reason the people in even more power than we are with only the influence on one company yeah. have the influence on hundreds of companies get to just freely, freely trade because their husband did it for them <laughs> i it, I don't think anybody, Democrat, Republican, whatever your political view may be, would think that 
that would be a bad thing. No, I 100% agree. And I was very similar to you when I was working at Goldman. Obviously, it's a huge investment bank. There's going to be restriction on how I trade. But I did not have any access to MNPI there, material non-public information. I had none. Like, I was in an operations role, and my job specifically was in hedge fund work. Right. That was it. And yes, could I see monthly performance of how these fund, funds were doing? Yes, I could. So that's obviously a conflict of interest because you can, there's a database somewhere that'll show you, you know, what positions are where. But um, at the end of the day, like I was only allowed to trade ETFs while I worked there. That was it. No stocks. No stocks, stocks at nothing. All. And if I wanted to trade a stock, I would have to get approval. Usually that approval would take two months. So by the time that you wanted to trade the stock, yeah. You're, it's already like, yeah. what the fuck am I going to do with it? You, yeah. there, there's no point. So realistically, all I could do there was trade ETFs. And the fact that like someone like Nancy Pelosi, who's like in a lot of inner circles, there's a joke that she's the greatest stock trader ever because yeah. her husband's account is her husband's account is fucking yeah, it's, ridiculous. It's, it's outperformed tens, the market tens of millions of dollars. Yeah. 20 time, 20 X every year. Maybe yeah. Yeah. it's a ridiculous number. Um, so yeah, they do, they need, they need restrictions, like completely, completely agree. Um, segueing into that though, we had a lot of other topics we wanted to talk about, I guess sure. going from the government right into unemployment rate, that'd be a good, uh, next yeah. talk. Yeah. So I think the, the job numbers came out they're going to get revised again. So <laughs> they've been revising the job numbers for the past few months and it was like June was actually one of the worst months we've had in over 10 years um so it, it it it's starting to wane now it's starting to wane now and there was another article in the wall street journal about uh the fact that health insurance is going up six percent and starting salaries for new grads is actually stagnated and going lower um no from, bueno from covid so those those hopes of you know you know getting a place and and the big city and moving out right after college is, is actually worse for kids now than it was for us when we graduated two years ago. Yeah, it's really tough out here, man. And I'll tell you this. I've had to look for I've looked for a job twice in the past three years almost. Um, and the job market was so much better when I was applying for jobs in 2021 as opposed to now. Um, like the last time I did in, in early 2023. And we somewhat understand that. You remember those, you met people that graduated college in about 08 and, and they talk about finding a job right out of college out of then. And we're like, there was nothing out there. There was oh, nothing, yeah. there was nothing there. And I saw a TikTok that got like 2 million likes <laughs> about a guy basically like there's, I don't, I don't see anything out there. Like yeah. I, I applied to 500 odd jobs or whatever. So I think it's one of those things where if, you're in that position. It's it's just it's just a matter of how hard you grind. Pretty much, really. Yeah. It, there's less out there, that's for sure, right? It's just you, at this point, I think you need to be trying alternative ways of reaching out to companies, like ways that'll make you uncomfortable. I'm not just saying like go on LinkedIn and apply to the job on workday. I'm saying like reaching out to people directly on LinkedIn, calling the HR department of these huge corporations seeing what openings they have like doing things outside of the box maybe even like bringing your resume in person to some companies like i don't know all i'm saying is that there are definitely ways to get yourself noticed um but you got to understand like even like last week man I, there was a job that popped up on linkedin and i just kind of wanted to take a look at it just to like see what was going on sure 
and there was probably 500 applicants and out of those 500 linkedin tells you like the breakdown of like master's degree bachelor's like say like 27 percent had a, a master's degree yeah so like out of that 500 20 are already in the upper echelon because they have a higher level of education sure and not saying that that's the only barrier but i'm sure they have ex- usually with a master's degree you have more experience as well you're probably older um so you just got to like put that into perspective alone like if you're a new grad who you did an internship at company xyz that means nothing in the grand scheme of things like it's going to be really hard for you to find a job just sending resumes out the you know standard way we do now. Yeah, and and I think I do the game's just different even when I was in college. Like we had to go to fairs. Yeah. If you didn't go to the career fair, you were done. Like you missed the yeah. career fair, you were screwed. That like, you needed to build relationships with recruiters. Like this was a multi-season game to to land something right out of school. And this was when markets were pretty good so it's not it, it, it especially in a time like this now i agree you should do uh things you would think are a little outside the box speaking of boxes the fu- a funny story about how patrick mcdavid got his first job was he literally mailed in a box with one shoe in it and his resume and the, it was basically like, now that I have one foot in the door, I'd like to present the opportunity <laughs> to get, that's to a get sick, the other. You know what I mean? Sick, like, yeah. th- it's stuff like that. And you may literally, like you said, it may be uncomfortable. Like, you may literally have to mail in uh, a shoebox. And, yeah. and our guest last, our last podcast. Oh, that was a great example, yeah. Right? He said he hit up. Dylan said, uh, if, and, and for those who don't understand, uh, look below. Uh, there'll be uh, the podcast right below with Dylan Hammond. The story's probably about 30 minutes in. But how he got his first role and where he's at now was he had to hit up the person that he got the job from on LinkedIn. He said, what, 11 times? Yeah. Or something like that. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's one of those where, like, you that that's that might be what you have to do. Yeah. It, right? It really is. And, like, dude, it, it's, that's a thing that very few people will do. That's the first thing I'll say because usually, like, after the second reach out and no one responds, you're going to get discouraged. But, like, realistically, you want a role, you can go get it. Like, you and I, for example, let's say we, hypothetically, we had our own company 10 years down the line. Yeah. If a kid our age, who's our age now, came up to us, knocked on our door and said, hey, can I get a job? Get out of my office. Yeah. Hey, can I get a job? Get out of my office. Hey, please, like, I'm begging you. Here's my resume. Brings all these kind of, all these things to prove the type of person he is. But like, you know what? I'll fucking hire you. You could, you know, do my bitch work for the entire first week. <laughs> yeah, okay. You know what I'm saying? Right, like right, you right. you you could do you yeah. could do admin, you could do whatever. I'll let you get an opportunity. Realistically, no one after a while unless you're an actual bad human being. No one after a while of seeing the determination and dedication you have is going to say no to you. I I agree. And that's how I got how I got my first internship with the with the, our other guest Nick Champion. I went up to him at, at NIU, people know what Tugs is. It's just an event. We'll go from there. I went up to him and said, hey, I need a job. And he said, maybe. And then I sent him an email and said, hey, I need a job. And he said, okay, I need you to, I need you to basically do research on... He, so Nick runs an uh, insurance agency, right? I need you to research on one of my competitors. <laughs> I need you to write me uh, uh, basically a report on my competitors. What are they doing that I could do? In my business. Okay. That was my task. <laughs> I went to Barcima Hall on a Saturday. 
spent seven hours researching this business. Love it. And just thought in my and, and, and <clears throat> there's no direction, right? There's no prompt for these things. There's no, no. there's no, uh, uh, you're not going to get an A if you do this, this, and this. You're going to get a B if you do this. No, there's none of that. It's either you get it or you don't, right? Yeah. So I just sat there and thought, what would, if I, me sitting on the other end, kind of like what you're saying, right? 10 years down the line, what would I want to see from this? I gave this random kid a task. Yeah. What would I want, expect to see for me to give him a job? Oh, 100%. Right? And I just did that. Yeah. So I wrote this report. I got on the phone. I said, you know, here's what I think uh, in bullet format. So it's short. I said, uh, let's get on the phone. I can expand through each topic if you want me to. That's sick. And I actually never knew the story. Yeah, that that's how I got that's how I, I got that job. I felt you got that job because didn't he make you also like bring something to him? Like you had to meet him at like a a fair or something and set up. I I, I swear I thought or maybe that was just another like uh, side do- that job was that he I think that do. was that was after. Okay, okay. That's where I I learned um. I learned the power of what having a good network is. Got it. Okay. Was that was that one event at Bounce? Yeah. Um, I think that's what it was. Yeah. Okay, okay. I could get into that. Yeah. I could get into that. That's a good story too. I got invited. So I got this internship. I'm working over the summer and I'm doing kind of like what you're saying, dude. I'm mailing things out. I'm answering phone calls from angry customers <laughs> about the fact that they can't access the app. Yeah. Because uh, they just launched a new app and, you know, obviously dealing with boomers no offense to boomers but they can't use technology so i'm talking to you know old grandmas slowly walking them through how to use an app i'm literally mailing things out i'm you know just cleaning up excel sheets like just just as 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 admin as it can get right i get invited to this networking event which is in chicago and i get told to you know wear a nice suit that was it (laughs) right so i go and basically it's a networking event yeah and it, it, it's you see them all the time now, especially if you're working. You see ads for them. It's a couple hundred dollars or whatever to get in. It's a networking ad. So I got invited for free. And basically all these people had either they had booths or people were just talking to people. Right. And in that time, I collected 30 or 40 business cards. I had conversations with people for four hours in various industries. I talked to a guy who got shot five times and then wrote a book about it. <laughs> That's great. Right. And I, and he, we were talking about social media at mm. the time. He was like, you know, I'm doing this Facebook thing, but I don't really understand <laughs> it. Right. And it, what I watched that whole time was basically, I saw people just in a place where they wanted to transact. Yeah. yeah. Right. And it's different than, <clears throat> you know, like your workplace happy hour where like you're there to network, but it's just focused on your job. Yeah. Right. In this case, it was everything. People were selling insurance. People were selling electricity. People were selling ev- their book. They were selling everything. And I had so many fruitful conversations from this event because it was. I met the owner of it, and I asked him. He took me around Bounce Sporting Club. We were up on this rooftop, and I asked him. I was like, "How did you like end up setting like this type of event? You know, there's 500 people here. Everybody's happy. You know, there's bottles of Grey Goose everywhere. You know, like how did you end up doing this?" He was like, "You just start small, man." <laughs> that's so sick that's you, a good you answer just, you know you know you know five people yeah yeah, yeah. and he's basically like i i ran with the five people and they know five people and now i host networking events yeah that's such a good answer man i love the simple but like powerful yeah i think it, honestly bro it probably boils down like you want a job just keep applying yeah pretty much <laughs> keep applying people ask me all the time how did i get my job i was like i stayed up for 40 nights straight for three hours a night 
I would look at every job posting I could see out there that I was interested in, <coughs> and I'd make the application. I'd apply. Yeah. Also, quick caveat. Yeah. You did have the qualifications. I did. It, it, even with even with the qualifications, yeah. though. You could be you could be qualified, and that that's great. You are now above the people who applied who are not qualified. Yes. Congratulations. You're still competing with everybody else who's qualified, right? And maybe you are better than the other person who has a 3.9 and you have 3.5, mm-hmm. or you have 3.0, right? That person who's got a 3.7, you got a 3.0. You may be better than them. But on paper, you have to you, you have to figure out a way to prove that. Agreed. You know? Yeah. Alex Hormozzi talks about it all the time, doesn't he? He says, be... Fuck, I'm going to screw this quote up. It's so good, though. He says... People ask how to know that you are... Something... Fuck. I know the back end of the quote. The back end of the quote is... Have so much information and knowledge and accomplishments behind behind you that essentially tells you that you are the person you oh, say you uh, are. Oh, yeah. Well, how does that go? Yeah. I, I'm missing the first so, part. So, but the the, prem, the back premise of that yeah. is is ba- is basically it. I think he took it from this book by Cal Newport called "So Good They Can't Ignore You." Okay, that's basically what he's saying. Got it. He's like, you want you want to be confident <coughs> in something. And to be fair, bro, dude. I, he's not in my in, in my short experience of anything that I've done that's worthwhile. He's not wrong. No. Like I've always, I, I as someone who's naturally insecure, right? I'm naturally insecure about things, even if I'm good at them, right? As someone who's like that, the only way to prove, legitimately calm those nerves, to calm that voice in your head, is to literally prove it out every time. Oh yeah, right. And I always talk about the CPA exam. And I don't want to talk about it too deeply, but I always thought I was going to fail everything, hmm. right? What what proved in my mind what gave me ease every time was the fact that I had done 400 questions today or whatever it was. Yeah. Right. That was the only like just doing it a thousand times. Not only that, but your test scores were very high every time you scored. Right. But, so that was another kind of like, uh, fuck. But, it, I got but that's this. The, that's the thing, right? You just have to keep doing the thing. Yeah. And that's how you'll build confidence in it. And I think, dude, look at mechanics who are, like, really good, right? They're just, like, doing it in their sleep. It's true. Because they've done it a quadrillion times. Yeah. You know? No, very true. I remember the first time you called me. What was the first test you took? I took reg. You took reg first. I remember the first time before you took reg, you were like, man, dude. You are basically coming from a place like, I don't really know. Like, I'm going to go in there and take the test. I fucking study my ass off for it, but I don't really know. Yeah. Then when you left the test, you were like, dude, I don't really know. Yeah. Like, I think it went well, but I don't really know. Yeah. And then you got your score for reg. You're like, fuck. Yeah. I got this. Yeah. And then the next one after that, the tone changed because you realized you could do it once, you could do it again, you could replicate it. And I think you took far second, right? Yeah. Because far is considered the hardest one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, it's just, it's one of those things where if you do the work, eventually the work will back you. And once the work backs you, you have really nothing else to worry about. Clip that. You're the guy. <laughs> Clip it. that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man. I first of all, this is a great. Forty three minutes feels like ten. Wow, that was forty minutes. Forty three minutes. Yeah, it feels like fucking ten. Um, we had a couple other things that we wanted to talk about. 
on the agenda. I guess, I guess one thing I will say is it is now starting to get a little colder. And uh, oh. everybody, my Instagram has been filled with summer recap videos. And this was my summer. And I think I haven't posted anything. I know you haven't because I would rather share our summer excursions yes, here. Yes, the summer recap. So finally, the moment you guys have all been waiting for. Appreciate you all for voting on the poll. Um, everyone wanted to know. Our summer recap. That was the highest voted thing. Uh, to be fair, NFL came in a close second. I think it was like a 27, 44% breakdown. Um, but we're going to talk about our summer recap. Honestly, I personally wanted to start off with our favorite podcast moments of the summer. Sure. And then get into like our own personal ones because I think we did have some like really fire podcasts this summer. We did. Um, obviously, the first and foremost, we got to start off with the one that basically I would consider this was the one, the, the summer wrap up. But uh, the one with Dylan Hammond, honestly, I think it caught both of us a little bit by surprise because Dylan and I is a good friend of ours from way back in the day, but um, he's not one of those people that we're like constantly in touch with. Um, so we haven't heard from him in a while. We didn't really know what he was up to. But just to hear the hard work, the dedication, the grind that he's actually putting in uh, was really inspiring, not only to me, I know to Shiv as well. Um, but it also kind of gave me like more of a chip on my shoulder to be like, man, yeah, I could do this too. Like he's 100%. doing it. I could fucking get out there and do it. Um, and so I'm coming from a place where I know Shiv and I really didn't know what to expect with the podcast. We knew we'd talk about real estate cause that's the line of work he's in. Um, but it, I think it really took us both by surprise how much knowledge that we gained from it. And I'm sure if we gained any knowledge from it, you guys did as well. So just wanted to give a, a shout out to that podcast first. No, hundred percent. I, that's definitely 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 up there i i was very it was it was that one and 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 i've said this a lot one a lot before but uh dylan dylan gilbert's podcast i know oh, that was yeah. last year but that was always been my favorite podcast it's a year ago today uh a year ago two three days ago really yeah it came up on my snapchat all right Noah, it's time to <laughs> get noah and dylan on yeah get them both uh but that was like that's always been my favorite one. This one, when we were like maybe ten minutes in, I was like, "Oh yeah, this is gonna be a good one." Yeah, and you, you just knew. So I completely agree. That was that was definitely up there. No, agreed. Um, I would say another huge like we'd be remiss to not talk about Vegas in the summer recap. Hundred percent, yeah. Um, because I thought that those podcasts may not have been the most value add out of the ones that we've done, but a hundred percent, it was just me and Shiv being as authentic and genuine as possible. Like we had the best time ever in Vegas. I know we talked about it on like three podcasts yeah, after we yeah. went there. Um, but that entire Vegas trip, I think not only did we have a good time because of course you do when you go there, but I think we learned a lot too, um, about, yeah, the, a lot, a lot moved from that point to the point we're at now. Hundred percent. And um, I think there was a, as crazy as this might sound, I think there was a decent amount of self growth that happened on that Vegas no, trip. No, and it's it's what I think it's one of those where I, I've seen it with other friend groups outside of mine. Right, they go on, they go on a couple trips where they're a couple years out, uh -huh. and things start to just move after that happens you right. know and and everybody's i'm not saying you know go in separate ways or anything but everyone's making move like more moves towards the the next chapter of their life post-college right yep and i think yeah man it was just a good time i think trips like that 
with your friends, with people you care about, number one, re-put into perspective the value of trips like those. Yeah. Like how, how good those actually are because, yeah, we talked about that trip for weeks on end afterwards. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I think going on trips like that really just put things into perspective because I think you're in a bubble, man, in your life, in your home, in your, in your day-to-day so much yeah and that it becomes a bubble and you re- like you just don't you don't know you don't know what's going on outside and really going on a trip like that makes you th- sit back and go damn like this is where i'm at mm-hmm. this is this is where things are where do i want things to be in the future yeah you know if, if the next trip like the next trip we go on where do i want to be yeah you know that's kind of what was going through my head was Agreed. the next time this gang gets together and goes on a fun trip where am i at in life you know, and it, it sets a new sets a new goalpost. I think it does. A hundred percent agree. Um, I think to to maybe even wrap on the podcast thoughts. I thought it was cool having Leon on the pod as well, um, because it seems like from what I gathered from that podcast, it was first of all anybody who has an excuse about ever coming on a podcast because you can't make the time. We scheduled this podcast that we did with Leon at 2 a.m., the like about seven hours prior to him actually showing up. It's and doing not like it. we were face to face when we did this. Nope. It yeah. was all through fucking text. And so if you have an excuse, like shove it up your ass, <laughs> because this dude at two in the morning, I reached out to him. And I was like, listen, man, no, this is like fucking way out there. But we'd love to do a pod with you. We got availability tomorrow. He's like, let's make it happen. Yeah. Like, what time works? Book a time, and he showed up at, at that time the next day. Um, and so I think just for that reason alone, I think I love that podcast. Yeah, because I do too. Yeah. It, it was just so raw. Like, it was very raw. Um, we didn't have anything really prepped for it, but it went really well. And he's in kind of the same headspace that we are, so it was nice to kind of have him on and uh, and catch up with him as no, well. 100%. 100%. And... Uh, your OG, Jalen. OG Jalen, man. Shout out Jalen. Jalen came on the pod. That was a dope one to have, too, because I hadn't seen him since we graduated. Um, so it's it's also cool to see, like, we were 18 years old when I last saw him. I had none of the thoughts or opinions I do now when I, I that I did when I was 18. Right, 100%. You're a different person. Completely different person. And so is he in a lot of ways. Like, um, like I, I've seen the maturity growth in him, too. Um, and so that was also cool to, like, just kick it, catch up. And it was cool because it was one of the first podcasts where I felt like the guests did a lot of the interviewing. Yeah. He was <laughs> like, he, he he was was like it, how do you feel about this? And it, we were like, all right. He was well, like, yeah, this is perfect. We'll talk yeah, about I'll it. talk about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he did He did a really good job. Honestly, I would say he's like a moderator as opposed to like a guest because he really like moderated that entire thing. Um, but yeah, man, I'd say those were probably my favorite ones of the summer. Yeah. Unless you I, have any dad. I go. I agree. I agree. Those, those, would, those would be my highlights. I guess... Personal highlights, really, besides obviously going to Vegas. I don't know if Texas doesn't really count as summer because it's technically <laughs> spring, but I'm gonna count it as summer because I didn't do anything for the month of May. Yeah, uh, hell of a time. Would go back. Would totally do it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm I'm excited. I will say I, so I'm going to Vegas and Arizona at the end of the month, but it's gonna be creeping just out of the time. Summer I think ends on the 22nd or whenever the end of <laughs> summer is. Yeah. So, unfortunately, Vegas Part 2 will be a fall thing. But, no, I think, for honestly, dude, my summer was more 
it was more just personal growth than anything else. Yeah. It was like it wasn't my spring was pretty packed with events. I was going places, Florida, all that's all this different stuff. Where the summer was more just, you know, I was still on the grind and everything, but more just at at that point where it's been it'd been a year since I moved to the city, it'd been a year since I started my job. It it a lot of things were just kind of starting to figuring out where the pieces actually fit. And yeah. you know, it's one of those where it's a lot longer it, back to the horizon thing like it, the time horizons are, are are extremely long on on stuff like this so it's not one of those things where i was beating myself up where it was you know having having taken i guess another highlight was meeting gary v and being oh that's sick, featured yeah. on his instagram you, you and gotta shit. talk about that for sure have, have i not talked no, no, about you, the you fact did, that you i was did, on the video you, you did you did no but you didn't the video, talk about the video posted, no, right okay no. so this is hilarious i'm chilling working and my phone buzzes and eddie's calling me so i pick it up and he's like check your instagram right now <laughs> like dude check it right now i was like no way like i knew what he was talking about right like there's what else what else like what else was going on yeah and i first thing pop up on instagram refreshes and it's just my face <laughs> and under a gary v video and i'm like no <laughs> No freaking way! He fucking posted us, and he posted and he posted it on Twitter, and he posted it on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. and you know, you see how he did that too. By the way, Tim like, the timing. Yeah, he spread them all out. Yeah, it was, it's dope. Yeah, cool to see. But reels was first. Reels was first. I'm studying you, Gary. Uh, it, I see what we're you're paying doing. Paying attention. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I I remember. So I texted the person I was with was Nick Champion, the person that gave me that job I spoke about earlier. And I texted him. also on the podcast, by the way. Great episode. Fantastic Go episode. Go check it out. Episode 66. If you, want, if you are in sales, you have to watch that. You have to watch that. Mm -hmm. But he was there, and I texted him, and I just said, check your Instagram. That's all I said. <laughs> and he replied, oh, shit. <laughs> and he knew. He knew, too. <laughs> and what's funny was is after that, so what was filmed, after that happened, right, I, like, dapped up Gary Vee in the video and then, like, obviously didn't talk to him again until i like ended up taking a photo later but nick goes i think i think he filmed that and i was like no nah, <laughs> no no he did he goes no he looked back at his uh like assistant and like gave him a nod and i was like yeah you know that's just that's just stuff <laughs> you know they're they're filming everything here right right and it was funny because it, it didn't come out for until like well past that event happened you know but yeah, I, I was glad whoever caught that, whoever edited that, thank you. That yeah, was, they they did a good job. You, you did a good put, job. They like, really put you dude, on. Dude, they made it seem like they were like, you know what I mean? Like filming out of a hole. Yeah. Like I didn't know that much. side camera was even there. I thought there was only a camera like behind me. Yeah. But yeah, that was, it was absolutely sick. Uh, People, it was, it was funny. A couple people like messaged me like, dude, holy shit. Like <laughs> you're on Gary Vee. And I was like, yeah, that's it. It's cool. But it. Uh, definitely, I guess that would be my final highlight of the summer. Yeah, no, that that's definitely the the icing on the cake, man. Um, I think I'd be remiss if summer was ge generally good. Um, lost my grandmother at the end of July. Um, so it was it's it's kind of interesting how that happened because I think the the start of July was very like it was super fun and like just. All in all, it was probably one of the best, like, leads up of, of summer that I had in a while. I think it was a, just a really good summer. Um, got a new place. A lot of you know that. Um, but, yeah, at the, at the last 
last week in the summer, um, grandmother passed away. Um, so I ended up having to go to Puerto Rico to lay her to rest, um, which was only a two-day trip for me because I had to be back. I really didn't have uh, the PTO to be there for a, a, like a, a long period of time. But um, it was really... It was... It was a bittersweet weekend because she got to be in the place that she loved the most in Puerto Rico. And that was kind of amazing to see. And like, um, obviously so many emotions, like I was the youngest grandchild. So, you know, that was kind of a whole thing for me as well. Um, but it was, it was a dope trip because the entire family went to Puerto Rico. So all of my first cousins pretty much were there. Um, and they brought their families as well. And it was the first time in a really long time we had done like a big family trip. And it's unfortunate that you only really do those during weddings or funerals. That's typically when those happen. But, um, the very next day, uh, after like the funeral service and like we said hi to kind of all of our, um, distant family in Puerto Rico. So, you know, her sisters and their families who like are all from the Island and, and that thing, um, we ended up the next day kind of taking like a family trip to like celebrate her life to the beach. Um, and it was just a really fun day, man. Like had my cousins there, you know, we were, you know, we had some drinks, we were, you know, chilling by the beach. It was a beautiful day. Um, and so overall I would say, you know, it was a weird end, uh, to the summer, but it was a very, very, uh, it was a very bittersweet, like kind of end, um, to see kind of how, she had progressed through her final stages and, you know, she had been widowed for over 20 years now. Wow. So, um, she's with my grandpa and, you know, they're hanging out upstairs now. And so, um, yeah, so I, I, I wanted to share that just because I don't want to make it seem like my life is all, uh, sunshine and rainbows like 24 seven. Cause you know, everyone has their things that they go through. Um, but it was all in all a really good summer. Um, and you know, there's a lot of things to come for this podcast. Shiv and I had a really good talk last week. We did. <laughs> we did. For, for, I mean, obviously none of you know, but, um, not to get too into it, essentially like we, we were going to record one last week and we like basically just had like a discussion about like where we wanted the podcast to go. And it really didn't get ugly at all. Like typically our arguments will, will do at time from time to time. But, um, it was honestly, we talked for like 50 minutes just about direction and how we planned this out. So up to this point, this is, we're 58 minutes in. I think I've thought this is one of the best podcasts that we've done in a really long time. And there's reasons for that. Like him and I had discussed them last week. And so, um, I think there's just been a ton of growth this summer. Um, and I'm excited for what the winter brings and you know, what next summer brings too. uh, once we get there. No, there's. A lot there. Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, kind of went on a little tangent. The first thing I'll say is, hundred percent, the fall and the winter are times to grind. Yeah. Um, but two, I did want to say sorry for your loss, brother. Yeah. I know how hard it is losing a losing a grandparent. It's not easy. Um, and I, 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 I did want to ask if if you had a similar feeling that I did when mine passed was is all the family was there. And it made me kind of sit back and think, wow, it's 
really great to see all these people I haven't either never seen or haven't seen in years. Yeah. But it's really kind of shitty that this is the the reason that we're all this together. This is the reason we're all here. And that was like a big that's kind of stuck in my head for a while. Not going to lie. Like yeah. it was I really did appreciate seeing these people who are my blood, but is it really that I'm going to see these people only in the context of circumstances like this? Yeah. And I don't know if that hit you at all or 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 you felt or was a similar situation at all. Uh definitely felt similar. I think the difference between maybe mine and yours is that a lot of the a lot of my grandmother's children, so my uncles, my aunts, my mom, my dad, and my first cousins, they all are central to Chicago. Right. So it's a lot easier to see them. Um and yes, there were people that I hadn't seen in a long time. Um, I think I had that feeling, though, about my family in Puerto Rico. Um, because my entire dad's side's over there. So all of his siblings are there, besides one. But all of his siblings are over there, my grandparents are over there, and my my cousins are over there as well. Um, and so I definitely had that with like with them. A lot of times, you know, it's, it's interesting when you're close... You're, you're blood related. There's no closer bond that you could possibly have. Like literally part of me is part of them. Yes. Um, but there's also like a, a distance and a like unfamiliarity that you feel being around them sometimes. Cause you're like, you know what? I, I, there's no, there's a relationship. I don't know this person, but yeah, you, you yeah. feel like that from time to time. Um, and I don't really feel like that way with my grandparents because my grandparents, uh, when I was young, every summer they would come to like take care of me because my parents had work. So instead of doing like a young summer camp when I was like four or five, they came and took care of me. So, you know, I have a closer relationship with them, but um, it is weird. Like every time you go back, everyone's older. Your cousins are grown up. Yeah. Like, man, what the fuck? <laughs> You're like, this shit, it, it's some heavy shit, man, when you really think about it. Um, but I definitely see where you're coming from on that point. Um, you know, I've definitely dealt with those, those same things too, for sure. hundred percent. But, and yeah, I agree. I think, I think in any friendship that goes beyond, oh, I know this person from football or I know this person from, we had the same class or I know this person from the club that we're in or, or whatever the contextual circumstances may be. Right. And a lot of it, is I was I was watching something kind of funny or not really funny but more eye opening was you know you have you have day ones and you have day twos yeah right you have day ones that were with you from from the from where you were from the beginning and you have day twos that are are relationships you make obviously later in life as you move on and there's only a certain amount of the day ones that you're even gonna kick with that are that you'll just kick with them and all you'll talk about is the past. Yeah. Fun memories, what we used to do, this and that. But it, then you even narrow those day ones down to the people that are still with you on the way up. And that's kind of where we're at. And I think conversations like that, where you basically are, you have a heart to heart, right? You, 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 you explain where you're at, where, where the other person's at and where you, where you go from there. And I think in, with anybody and i have this with all my day ones really yeah from time to time it's not an everyday thing no definitely not but 
I think they're necessary though. Hundred percent. Like I think I think um one of the things that I feel like I've learned from my short time on this earth is that conversations like that need to be had. It's not like a want, it's not something that you like should avoid. It's something that you need to do. And they're not they're they should be rare. Because if you're having them too often, it's probably you because probably there's problems re- in the relationship. Reevaluate that. A hundred percent. But like even on a like yearly basis, you should be able to get around the people that you care about and hash out your differences, figure out what you could do to be a better partner, a better friend, a better son. All of these things should be conversations you should be having with your loved ones. And like I have no shame in saying that like you know, I've had them with you. I've had them with, you know, my parents from time to time. Um, and it's it, there are things that just need to be said sometimes. Because, like, at the end of the day, I'm not going to know how you feel if you're not telling me. Right. And I'm not, a, it, like, none of, nobody, nobody's psychic, right? right? And it, I think it, the other thing is, too, if you can't have that conversation, you need to reevaluate that. Oh, for sure. Friendship, relationship, uh-huh. how, whatever, whatever that is. Like, if you can't actually go to your friend and be like this is how i feel about x or where are you going in life if you can't even have that like that it's a surface level relationship it just is it just is and you know what it's crazy because some people will know each other for eight to ten years but it'll never go beyond i run i know them from the bar yeah right yeah that ain't that ain't your friend bro you know, there's there's about five. There's about five in everybody's life. And that's the other thing I noticed, too. People with large networks still only trust five or six oh, people. Oh, yeah. For sure. Bro, that's one of the biggest realizations I think I've had from a young, from probably the time I was in high school to now. Like, I used to think that people with a lot of friends, like, could rely on all of them. No. But it's, like, it's completely opposite, man. Like... There's there's things that I'll tell you, I'll tell maybe two, three other people that I wouldn't tell fucking anybody else because at the end of the day, like, one, there's no real reason to. Yeah. But two, like, people are going to use a lot of the shit that you say to them against you or in a situation to put a gun to your head. Like, they'll use it as ammunition if they need to. Oh, yeah. If they're in a situation where they feel like they're the prey, not the predator, they'll 100% turn around on you. Yeah. And use that as, you know their bait to get you um i've learned that the hard way too trusting people i shouldn't trust having conversations with people i shouldn't have yeah man but it's just the way things go um but yeah man you, you need a core group you need that core group to keep you solid uh to keep you self-aware um and to keep you from making you know mistakes over and over again i think that's the biggest thing too like if you make a mistake let it be a mistake one time because the second time is no longer a mistake. It's a choice, in my right. opinion. Right. Um, but yeah, man. Uh, heard that. Heard that shit. I think that we could wrap. That was a great pod. Um, ladies and gentlemen, episode number 84 of the Shetty Show, the Shivanetti Show, brought to you live from the third largest city in the United States, Chicago, Illinois. Uh, we have openings for guests if you want to be on you hit shiv up you hit me up you hit up the uh the shetty page at t-h-e-s-h-e-d-d-y-s-h-o-w we have a uh instagram we have a tiktok we also have threads that you know hasn't been touched in months um no one's touched threads to be fair (laughs) yeah that's that's also true 
Um, but yeah, let us know if you want to be a guest. Let us know what you liked about this podcast. Let us know in the comments who you would like to see next. Shiv, any final thoughts? Yeah, and you don't have to trek your way all the way out to the fine, beautiful waters of Wicker Park, Chicago to be on this podcast. We have fine-tuned our technology, and with the advancements in AI, even though no AI is used, we can talk to you on Teams or Zoom or whatever app you feel is best that has your face on a camera. Uh, we can talk to you there, and we can do the podcast from your very own coucher wherever you feel the most comfortable. So let us know and have a good one.